Uh, I wanted to start this morning with some things you may have heard your dad say. Okay? Here's some things you may have heard your dad say. Don't ask me. Go ask your mom. Close the door. Were you born in a barn? You didn't beat me. I let you win. Big boys don't cry. It's just blood. Come on. Don't you know any normal kids? Who said life was supposed to be fair? You call that a haircut? You call that music? You're going out dressed like that? Hmm. This is going to hurt me a lot more than it hurts you. Stop crying or I'll give you a reason to cry. Don't give me any of your lip, young lady. As long as you live under my roof, you live by... You guys are good. I'll tell you why, because I... See, what's the problem with this, right? (laughs) I wasn't sleeping. I was just watching the game with my eyes closed. If your friend jumped off a bridge, would you too? Yeah. Now, here are ten things you probably didn't or won't ever hear your father say. Okay? Can you crank up the bass on that song? It really calms my nerves. You know, little princess, now that you're 13, you're ready for unchaperoned car dates. Won't that be fun? (laughs) Here, you take the remote. I could care less about that game. I noticed that all your friends have this certain up-yours-old-man attitude. I really like that. (laughs) No, honey, you sit this one out. I can't wait to change that diaper, and it's a poopy one. Yeah. As a matter of fact, let's both go get nose rings. (laughs) Okay. Hey, you guys go watch TV. I'll start supper just as soon as I finish the laundry. Here's my credit card. Uh, This one is for Bill Kerwin. Here's my credit card and the keys to our new car. Drive fast, take chances. <laughs> Your mom and I are going to go away for the weekend. You might want to consider throwing this big party at our house. <laughs> and number one thing you'll never hear your dad say, where do babies come from? <laughs> so welcome to this installment of our series, This Is Us. This Is Us. We're focusing on stories, stories from uh, Southside family, looking at those stories, and, and most importantly, when God breaks into then our lives, our everyday lives, as he does continually in what we're calling kairos moments. These are God moments. And how do we respond? Because our life is just one story that's being told. But why talk about stories? Jesus spoke through stories to teach, the, teach others about God. He was, in fact, the master storyteller. Wouldn't you agree? He steered clear of impressive-sounding religious language and jargon. He told stories. He'd tell a story, teach a truth. Tell a story, teach a truth. Jesus appealed to so many, young, old, different stations of life, made no difference because he spoke God's eternal truth in everyday language. It was easy to understand. People love to hear him tell stories about farmers and birds and flowers and gardens and fishing and building, all kinds of different things Jesus told stories about, all kinds of everyday stuff. His stories were challenging. His stories would become life-changing. Jesus 
told stories. And just by way of reminder, some verses. Jesus left the house, Mark wrote, and sat on the beach. In no time at all, the crowd gathered along the shoreline, forcing him to get into a boat. Using the boat as a pulpit, he addressed his congregation, telling stories. The disciples came up and asked, why do you tell stories? They were confused as well. All Jesus did that day was tell stories, a long storytelling afternoon. His storytelling fulfilled the prophecy, I will open my mouth and tell stories. That was prophesied a thousand years before in our Bibles. It's recorded in Psalm 78. If you haven't a chance, read that. We often use it when we dedicate children around here. It was written a thousand years ago. It's not a psalm of David, it's a psalm of Asaph, and he's talking about telling stories to our children and passing the faith down generation to generation. Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy a thousand years before he walked the earth. That's why he told stories. Sometimes we forget that the Bible is essentially a book of stories, a collection of stories. Uh, Wise scholars suggest that roughly 75% of your Bible is narrative. Roughly 75% of the Word of God is stories. It's how God chose to communicate His Word, His will, His character, His plan. He told stories, His story. And stories are powerful. So on this Father's Day, we're going to hear from three members of the Southside family who happen to be dads. Sandoval, Marshall, and Don, if you'll join me here, and I believe their stories are going to touch our hearts and beyond that challenge us uh, to live for Jesus. So guys, if you'll come up, and we'll begin this morning then. Please have a seat, guys. All right, we were just praying a few minutes ago, and uh, these three guys want their stories that they're sharing from the heart to be impactful for you today because these are stories of God's faithfulness. They are real stories of real challenges that these guys are facing. So, you guys ready to go? I'm ready. You nervous? Nervous? Yeah. Good. Good. Excited? Great. All right, so uh, let's begin with you, Don. Uh, describe this season of fatherhood in, in your life. Pardon? Describe this season of fatherhood in your life. Where are you these days? Well, um, in, in this season right now, I uh, first of all, um, my name is Don. I have uh, six children with my wife, and I have a, a niece that we raised as our own um, from the age of 14. And I have an older daughter who I uh, had before my wife and I um, hooked up and started living in sin. Um, <laughs> but I'm here to tell you that uh, right now I'm a grandfather more than I am a father as far as being in relationship with my kids. Um, you, like Pastor said earlier, you're always a father. Mm-hmm. You know, you're always a father. But um, that's pretty much where I'm at right now. I'm in a, I'm in a really good place right now. Was that the question? Yeah, that's pretty good. And it was short, too, which is amazing to me. Well, I, I got much more to say, but you scared me earlier when we, had, when we prayed. Um, that's good. It's not going to last long. So, <laughs> no, But anyways, I'm at a time right now. The time that I'm at right now is in a reflective time. I, I'm, and what that means is uh, I'm looking 
back at my life and I'm seeing um, all the, the good things and all the bad things. My wife told me once, she says, you know, I don't know what it is about you men, but you guys never remember the bad stuff. You always remember the good stuff. Well, at this stage in my life, it's hard to remember anything. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you that uh, looking back, I can see so many mistakes I made. I see um, where, where when Jesus became a part of my life where things started to change. That's when the change started to take place because I wanted to change and I really did not want to fail as a father. That's good. Marshall? Uh, my name is Marshall Bowl. Um, beautiful wife, Delane. Uh, it'll be eight years in October we've been married. I have a one-year-old, Barrett, and a four-year-old, Phoenix. And I can honestly say uh, this season of fatherhood for me is, um, for the most part, it is a, a true joy. Um, there are a lot of struggles, but... Um, the, my boys make me smile and laugh every single day, and uh, that's a true blessing. Um, I know that the problems that we face as parents and, and as fathers of, uh, of the, the little guys are really nothing right now compared to how complicated things are going to get when they get older. So it's, uh, it's just a true joy, and I really try to hold on to every little moment I can right now. So, Good. Thanks. Sandoval? I'm Sandoval. I'm married to Dawson. We've been married for four years. Uh, we've got three boys. And uh, they are in three completely different mm-hmm. phases in life. Yeah. We've got a high schooler, Sam, who is right here. We're going to talk a little bit about him today. I actually asked his permission to talk about him. And he said, yeah, Dad, you can share as much as you want. Uh, Sam is becoming a man. And um, I feel like I'm becoming a man finally after 48 mm-hmm. years of age. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit too. Um, then we've got Joe, who is going into middle school. And um, completely different kid. He's super affectionate sometimes, overly affectionate. And uh, I love the hugging and the holding hands and all that, but sometimes like, Joe, let me peel you off of me so that I can breathe a little bit. <laughs> Wonderful kid. And then we have little Andre, two-and-a-half-year-old, and, a half year old, and um, fiercely independent, strong-headed. I don't know where he gets that. Jocelyn. <laughs> but a joy. A real joy. And I feel that working and, and, and being a father, as I said earlier, I feel like God's finally teaching me to become a man. He's mm-hmm. teaching me to deal with my emotions. He's, um, you know, I, I, my father, a wonderful man, a wonderful Christian man, but he didn't know how to express love. My, I don't think I ever heard my dad say, I love you. And uh, I told myself, I didn't want to be a father like that that I want to be a father that would show love to my kids. And, um, but through life, I just, I'll be brief, sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, uh, through life, I suppressed those emotions because I felt like I had to kind of bow my way through things or plow my way through things. 
uh, moving to this country at a very early age and being by myself, I just had to kind of get through things because I had uh, goals in my head that I wanted to attain and uh, emotions and feelings were just something that would get in my way. So we'll talk a little bit about that too as, as we go through the next two questions. Um, um, but this is a phase of a little turbulence, but it's also a phase of growth, um, a phase of uh, learning, and, um, and uh, becoming uh, the man that God want me to, wants me to be. Wow. wow, that's good stuff. And you're just now discovering, searching for what it means to be a man. How old are you? 48. 48. Yeah. I think we're all on a journey, guys, aren't we? Yeah. Good. Let's continue. Uh, fatherhood is filled with challenges, certainly. And I've asked these guys to kind of share a story that encapsulates uh, one of those challenges, and yet knowing that God is still in control, attempting to trust him and give him these situations, and yet they're very real challenges. So, Marshall, why don't you start us with that one? Um, no challenges. Nailing it. Next. <laughs> okay, now we're going to talk about lying. Um, um, okay, um, many challenges. Um, the most recent that I'm going through right now, 15 minutes ago, is just reminding myself that I have a four-year-old little boy who's silly and he has way more energy than me, and I need to control my emotions when I try to rein him in. And I know that aggression will breed aggression with him. And I, uh, when I first started coming to church um, seven years ago, six years ago, um, one of the uh, verses I adopted was, let all that you do be done in love. And that is something that I, I have to take that in my heart and I have to uh, teach him with love and not lose my cool. And I have to lean on the Lord in those moments when, you know, Barrett is crying and Phoenix is getting nuts and just just take a breath and say, you love these boys. They're your, they're, they're your sons. And if you want them to act right, you have to teach them and show them how to act right. And yelling at them will not uh, help this, this problem go away. And uh, it's, I've been thinking about this question not a lot, but last Yesterday, really, the answer came to me, and I, I told Pastor John in his office before uh, church today, you know, what was kind of going on, that it came to me like that, and lo and behold, uh, the Lord put it right here in front of my face while we were worshiping. You know, he's, you know, Phoenix is antsy, and he's getting at it, and, you know, my, my first not my first instinct, but after my patience has run thin, is to say, act right, what are you doing, come on. 
but he was, you know, the Lord was speaking to me, and I prayed with him. I asked Phoenix if I could pray with him, and he said, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, no, no, I don't want to pray. I said, well, just give me a hug, and I'm going to pray with you. It didn't help, <laughs> but uh, I knew it was the right thing to do, and that's, that's kind of an example of faithfulness, too, but that's how the Lord is working with me in my problems. Good. Sandoval? We uh, have gone through some pretty significant challenges recently, last few months. Um, so we'll talk about Sam for a little while. Sam uh, had a battle with depression. And um, folks, if I can say, depression is real. It's a, it's a disease. It's, um, I can't stress enough how, how important it is to diagnose, identify it, take care of it as a parent as well as if you're not a parent, just if you feel it, just seek help, professional help. Yeah. Um, and it's through, through Sam's depression, uh, it got serious enough that he was hospitalized twice. Um, in my mind, uh, I kept going through you know, those emotions and feelings that I suppressed that I was talking about earlier. How, how did I fail my son? Is it my fault? Is it my shortcomings? Is it some of the decisions that I've made through life? Um, going through a divorce with his mom um, and other things and other mistakes that I made in life. Um, and the answer just wasn't there. One thing, though, that happened that really shocked me and marked me was through one of the counseling sessions that we were all together, uh, the counselor asked, Sam, what do you need? What do you want help with? What do you want, what do you want to change? And Sam said, I want a relationship with my dad. I want to be close to my dad. Yeah. I, want, I, want, I want to spend time with him one-on-one. And at that moment, I, I was thinking, did I become my dad? Because the biggest gripe I had with my father, even though he was a wonderful man, was he was not there emotionally for me. And I've always said, I'm never going to be a father like that. So, so that, um, I, I'm glad to say that, that uh, through that, I feel like we have a better relationship, that we spend time together, that, um, that we talk more, that I realize that um, I needed to become more emotionally available, not just to him, but to Justin as well. And, and to the other boys, um, and um, and um, we're we're, going, we're getting through it. We're overcoming the situation. I'm trying to be a little bit more attentive, more uh, become a better listener, and um, and um, a lot of prayer. But through this, again, those emotions coming back, and those those emotions that were suppressed before, and allowing people, allowing them to feel emotions and to express their feelings, and allowing. Um, myself to, to, to let those emotions and feelings be real um, so that I can actually um, acknowledge, help, and love them. Thanks. And this has come with some tears, hasn't it? It has come with, yeah, it has come with a lot of tears. Last night, actually, we were watching a movie and I was crying and then Justin said, why don't you just cry? <laughs> why are you hiding? Why? <laughs> You know, that's how it goes. And then Twice. we go upstairs and 
And I went got in the shower, and then that's when I really actually cried. And we didn't see it. Uh, I was in the shower, and then it flowed. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that's real. Thank you. Thank you. Don? Um, well, um, the challenge I'm having right now is associated with how I lived my life uh, when I first started having children. Um, I left home. Um, I never had a father figure. Um, I, I didn't have any example uh, until my aunt um, took me and my five siblings in uh, when I was 12. And um, I had a lot of anger, but I, that anger didn't come out till, till years later after I had my kids. And see, I was raised to believe that a, a father was to protect and provide. I didn't realize he was supposed to love as well. He was supposed to nurture. He was supposed to lead and guide that child. I didn't know that. I just thought all, all I had to do was go to work every day and provide, keep a roof over their head, keep food, and, and everything was going to be okay, that they would just be glad to be in my house. Well, I didn't realize, you know, I have, like I said, I have about eight kids, and all of them like me except for one. And that one child is the child that has, uh, with me, she has these bursts of anger, and it comes out in some of the most awful ways. And she says some things sometimes that makes me feel so disrespected in my house. And you know, don't disrespect me in my house. Anybody ever heard that before? Well, in my home, if it was if, if, if you disrespected my parents, that was a death sentence. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You were skirting with death. But now that I've, I have Christ in my life, I figured, you know, once the Lord came into my life and, 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 and they would see all these good things that have changed in me and that I'm a new man, I'm not the same man I used to be, that I don't have those bursts of anger and all that stuff anymore. I figured that, you know, that everything would be cool. The rest of my children absolutely love me. But this one particular child, it's like she keeps convicting me of the same crime over and over and over again. It's like she's holding this lifelong grudge and I don't know how to break through. That's the challenge I have in my life right now. And, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes we, I, I try not to even make eye contact with her because, and you know, and I can get along with pretty much anybody, but I got a child that despises me. You know, occasionally she'll say, I love you. And I'll say, don't say you love me if you don't mean it. You know, so I react sometimes as well. But that's the challenge that I have today. I've learned a lot as a father. I've learned that you have to be present. Like Sandoval said, his father wasn't present. I was, I was working, so I wasn't present. You know, even when I was present, I was, uh, you know, how I used to be, where you just tell them to shut up and be quiet. I'm watching it on TV. I just didn't have the time. So I, I'm reaping the fruit of, uh, with, in particular with, with that one child. The other kids are cool. 
I mean, they love me. I'm going to get phone calls from all over the United States today from kids telling me, Happy Father's Day. We love you, Father. And, you know, it's going to be a blessing. But that one child, the one that's actually living in my house still, I mean, I've literally asked my wife to ask her to leave because it sucks. And I don't know how else to put it. But I do have faith in God and I know he's working this thing out. I know he's working it out for our good. So, with that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Marshall, why don't you give us a story or an example of God's faithfulness to you as a dad. We've talked about some challenges, but God is faithful. Tell yeah. us how he's been faithful to you. Um, examples of his faithfulness um, actually go back to other insecurities and such that I have. Um, you know, am I screwing them up? Am I doing it? Am I, am I parenting right? Um, are they going to be better than me? You know, I, my, I, had a, I had a really good dad. He loved me, and he did his best. Um, had a very good relationship with him. Still do. But I want to be a better father than he was. Um, I look back at that, and I say, okay, I... I've gone to counseling, and I've seen some of the things that have screwed me up as a result of my father's shortcomings. And I think about those things and say, what am I doing now that's going to have my kids sitting in a counselor's chair someday? And it, it scares me. You know, it really does. Um, you know, back to the question of am I, am I doing it right? Am I screwing up? Um, and the Lord has been faithful to not only me but um, my wife as parents that um, he answered our prayers uh, many years ago to have uh, a little you know a child to have a, a child we were blessed with a child that's number one a healthy child we're blessed with two healthy boys two maniac little boys and it's that's that's his faithfulness to us, right? Number one, um, he never forsakens us. We we have everything we need, and so much more. Um, and I I know I'm screwing I'm screwing up. I'm sure I am, um, but I know that I'm doing it somewhat right because. Um, Phoenix, my four-year-old, he has such a tender heart, and he loves, he just, he'll cry, what movie was that? Spirit, some, a horse, some horse cartoon movie where he, this, the horse gets separated from his family, and, and he cries during it, and it's like, he has compassion and love. And if I have to put up with some crap with him not listening and whatever, I'll, I'll trade that. I really will. So that's a pretty strong example. So Thank you. Don, how about you? Where's God been faithful recently? Well, like I said, well, lately it's been where he, I have a relationship, a really good relationship with my grandchildren now. I mean, I always have had. They don't love me too. They come from parents that like me. 
but I have a really good relationship with my grandkids. And, and because I made so many mistakes back in the beginning, I have a second chance with my grandkids to express love, to be goofy, and, and, and just, you know, be a, almost like a kid with them for a few minutes, you know what I'm saying? And they love it. And um, so that's the, the, the most exciting thing about it. You know, and, and it brings back memories. I remember uh, when my kids were little, I remember driving them around in their car, singing in their car. And man, I, you know, I'd be taking them and their friends home and I'd play the same CD all the, or it was a, t a cassette at the time. I'd be playing the same cassette. And it was, I, I used to listen to um, the Commodores. And it was a song called You Are the Sun, You Are the Rain. And before you know it, I got those, that whole car, it's like seven, eight kids singing, You Are the Sun, You Are the Rain. And it was the best time. Those kids, I'll see them today, and they'll say, Mr. Candy, you were so cool. You know, and, and, and that was a, the highest compliment I could probably get is what my uh, kids' friends would say, Your dad is so you know, I can hear it. I'll be in another room and I'd hear it. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. You know, <laughs> it just felt so good. And, and I can remember my wife put me in a situation where she'd say, Donnie, I have to go and I need you to uh, comb the girl's hair. I, I, I've never combed hair. It was quite interesting. I wish we had taken pictures back then like, like you guys have on your phones today. I'm just saying, it was really, real interesting. The girls do remember those kind of things. But... I'm just here to tell you that uh, the blessing is, is that my kids like me today. They like me, they love me, and they're proud of me. And I think it, I give all the glory and all the honor to Jesus because I'm here to tell you his grace made a way for me through all the, uh, all the, 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 the commotion and chaos that, that goes along with life. Raising kids is the hardest thing you, I've ever done in my life. Now I know why the Lord say you need the fruit of the Spirit. You need each one of them just to be a father. And, and they need to be active. So I'm here to tell you, thank you, Lord. Yeah, good. Sandoval? I'm going to tell you another story about Sam, because uh, he's here. Uh, when uh, we were first trying to get, get pregnant, it just wasn't happening. So when I, I'm reading the Samuel's story and, and Hannah, his mom, she, she prays to God and she couldn't have kids. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, she promises to God that if, she, if he gives her a child, then he would dedicate, she would dedicate that child to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So I prayed that same prayer. Um, I don't know that I knew exactly what it meant to dedicate a child to the Lord. But in my head was, give me a child and I will raise him in a way that is going to glorify you at a minimum. So not, not long after that, we got pregnant, and then here comes Sam, and then Sam's birth was one of the um, most glorious time in my life. Um, tears came at the time, too. Mm -hmm. and, um, but then, you know, as you grew, I kept wondering, am I fulfilling that promise? Am I raising him in a way that's going to that's gonna honor you, Lord? And uh, what am I going to do that? See, going back to my emotions and suppressing and controlling things and trying to make things happen, that's just the way that I do at work, that I do that at school, and parenting seems to be the same way, right? Mm -hmm. Fixing things. And mm -hmm. um, It turns out that Sam is an extremely, uh, he loves God. 
he, he is a church, he's a youth group, he attends a Christian school, he, um, he is very focused on, on him and, and on God, and, and, but you know what, I, I didn't do it, and it made me realize that I've never been in control. Yeah. Yeah. It made me realize that, that God has always been in control, and that's part of me becoming a man too. How do I give up control? I have to give up control so that he becomes his own man. And I don't know how to do it, quite honestly. I'm meddling through it, muddling through it. Um, but it's been, it's been such a blessing to see him in that, in that environment and to, be, to see him um, loving God the way he does. It's, you know, and there's a lot of little blessings. This morning, um, the, Andrea, the two-and-a-half-year-old, woke up early, and it was my morning to get up with him. So I go and lay in bed with him, and he was being super sweet, and he's kissing me like, I didn't do anything to deserve that. But it's, those are the, the moments that you cherish. Yesterday, I was coming back from a trip. I was gone all week, and um, Joe calls me out of the blue, 12-year-old. Dad, I miss you. That's what he said. You know, that's like, those are great moments. Those are beautiful moments. <clears throat> Excuse me. That uh, um, I'm learning to see and understand that I've never been in control. And it's a good thing. Wonderful. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, this has been rich. Thank you. Uh, a couple of things just kind of caught me uh, you've identified some issues and you've sought out help I think that's incredible whether it's been from somebody a brother in the Lord or a counselor uh, you've said look uh, I need help in this journey uh, I don't have it all figured out and there is no men's manual that answers all the questions now we turn to the word of God we find answers there we also need hope and encouragement. So thank you for being willing to lay aside your pride for a moment and say, I need some help. I need some help here. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, the other thing that I just want to say is uh, I uh, sense the heaviness among men. Our culture is kicking the snot out of men. And we're getting pressed from every side. And we're supposed to do this, we're supposed to be that, and we go around with a lot of guilt and shame and sense of failure. And I think it's appropriate. We're going to take some time and pray. Uh, Once you guys go on down to your families, and I'm just thinking of this up on the moment, but let's do it this way. We're going to have some folk uh, who are going to lead us in prayer. I want you to come on up, uh, you who are leading us in prayer, and you guys can head on down. <clears throat>